1: Welcome to today's broadcast of Way of Grace as we continue our little mini-series called The Myth That Man's Will Is Free. Today, as we begin our time together, we do so in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 12. And 13. It's here that we get a glimpse into the sovereignty of God and what God thinks about our free will or our decisions and ability to do anything uniquely and specifically for or against Him. It's all laid out before us here as we continue this series. Won't you join us from Grace Bible Church in Hayward? Here's Pastor Jessica Stan, and today's edition of Way of Grace.
2: Wherefore, it shall come to pass that when the Lord has performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks. Keep going. Verse 13. For he said, do you see it? This is what the king says. By the strength of my hands have I done it. See, you want God to fight against you? Boast in your own strength. See, here is the epitome of free will expressing itself. Do you see it? This is the epitome of free will. By the strength of my own hands have I done this. He's deluded, isn't he? Saints, have y'all learned already? He's not even aware of the power behind him that gave him the ability to do all that he did. What is he doing? He's stealing God's glory, is he not? He's not acknowledging... He's not acknowledging what many of us teach axiomatically here. And that's this. And this God has to humble you to learn how to to teach you how to frame your language. Without Christ, I can do nothing. I can't achieve one goal in my life apart from the grace of God. God has to work in me the will and to do of his good pleasure. If I should do anything that glorifies God. God has to give me grace to think right and act right and do right. And when he gives me grace to think, act and do right, I'm going to give him glory for it. Because I know apart from his grace, I would never do it. God's getting the glory Anytime I do anything right now, see that kind of preconditioning terminology on the part of the Christian acknowledges that God is sovereign in our right choice making. Am I making some sense? We are not telling people we did that in our own strength, that we generated these ideas from our own will, that we fabricated these lofty plans in our own intellect. No, no, Not only did the right thinking have to be there, but then the right execution of all that God allowed me to plan and purpose, all of that had to be by God's permission and by God's power in order for it to come to pass or else it never would have come to pass. Does that make some sense? Right. And it may sound like we are being um, overly pious, but I will tell you that on a much more logical level, we are actually being less honest than we could. Meaning, I don't think we even really know how much God works in us to even keep us in the right thought processes. I don't think we do. I don't think we give God credit enough for keeping us in the orbit of right thinking. Right, the only time we get a little sense of how enormous grace must be to keep me in a general pathway of right things is when I'm out of the way in such a bad situation that I'm so far from God that I feel almost like a devil. And I have to say, if it wasn't for the grace of God, this is my state at all times apart from grace. Does that make some sense? Right. It's important for us to know that because I think, again, you and I are fighting against pseudo Perceptions that don't correspond with reality. All right, let me keep going for a bit. For he said, "By his strength, by the strength of my hand, have I done it, and by my wisdom." That's not true. For I am prudent. Do you see what that boy doing? I am prudent. Mirror, mirror, on the wall, and I have removed the bounds of the people, and I have robbed their treasures, and I have put down the inhabitants like a valiant man. Do you see him boasting? That, that king is incurring the wrath of God as he speaks, is he not? God will tear down every proud look. Now, now can I say something? This is why I used to stand back whenever I listened to Donald Trump talk. Because every now and then, Donald Trump would talk like this. He would get stupid. Yes, he would. I'm sorry. He would get stupid. And, and he would get irreverent with God. And I go, listen to that fool. Listen to that fool. Don't know that God put him in that position. And now he's acting like he literally said it. God needs me. I don't know. No, I got, I, God needs me. You fool. God does not need you. And that's why he was humbled this first time around. Because God is not mocked. Whatsoever man a man's soul, that shall he also reap. Are y'all hearing me? I, I stood back. I said, this dude has no idea what he is up against. He just is absolutely clueless. God always resists the proud. You, you want God to be your adversary in a public way where he showed your butt? Get proud with God. And that's what happened to Trump. Just got to talking like this. I'm like, boy, you better get on your knees and beg God to Cut the black out the TV because it's one thing for you to do that in the bathroom. It's another thing to do that in front of billions of people. See, at that point, God's got to get at you. Because to whom much is given, much is required. You cannot be a leader and not know you owe God honor. All right. I have removed the bounds of the people. I've robbed their treasures. I've put down the inhabitants like a valued man. This man is boasting in his destructive ways, is he not? Verse 14, we only got a few more verses. And my hand hath found as a nest the riches of the people. Oh, do you guys understand what he's saying? So what kingdoms do when they go into other kingdoms and plunder them, they take all their wealth. They take all their wealth. They take all their gold, all their silver, all of their um, uh, uh, important resources, their libraries, their history. Do you guys remember what happened in, in Iraq? How we visibly did that too? I said, I said, we don't have any idea. I said it back then. This was 20 years ago. I said, we have no idea what this is going to do in terms of bringing judgment on us. Because when you put cameras on that stuff and you boast and you're plundering other nations and taking stuff from them, you're fighting against God. See, God believes in just wars. God, God honors just wars. He does not honor men boasting. And that's why we're in the mess we're in now. Because we boasted. Do you guys hear what I just stated? We boasted. And I'm like, here it comes. If you, if you know anything about the God of the Bible, here it comes. And here we are today. We are a pitiful mess of a nation, aren't we? A pitiful mess of a nation. Pitiful mess of a nation with a crazy president that's just as loony as a bed bug. <laughs> loony as a bed bug. Just as irrational as can be. Right. I'm like, Lord, have mercy on us. This is Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 3, but we're not going there. Verse, verse 14, notice what he says. I gathered all the earth and there was none that moved the wing or opened the mouth or peep. They just all bow down and let the king of Assyria do whatever he wanted to do. He's acting like God, isn't he? All right, we're almost done, saints. We can have some conversation. Verse 15, shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? Did you guys see the metaphor? Who's the hearer? God. Who's the ax? Assyria. Assyria is the ax that's boasting against the God that used it to top, chop down the pride of Israel. Y'all got that? So you see what God is doing? God is saying, uh-uh, he's not in control. No king is in control. I'm sovereign. You can only go as far as I want you to go. Very important. Or shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh it as if the rod should shake itself against them that lift it up or as if the staff should lift up itself as there were no wood? These are all rhetorical questions. Verse 16, therefore, this shall the Lord, the Lord of hosts, send among Assyrians fat ones leanness and under his glory, he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. You see what God is going to do now? He can really send in judgment against the Assyrians. He can send the Egyptians and whip the Assyrians' butts. He can send the Babylonians and they're going to whoop the Assyrians' butts. That's because God controls all the nations of the earth. Y'all yeah, do see that. Verse 17. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire and his holy one for a flame and it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. This is God now turning Israel around, turning Israel around. I wanted to share that narrative with you to show you how God intimately knows our hearts, intimately knows our thoughts. And even if we are monarchs and kings and have power over everything in the world, we don't ever stop God from doing whatever he's going to do. It's important for us to know that. Do you have your outline in front of you? There's some questions in there or some statements that I want to make. And then I'm opening the floor for some commentary before we close out. Very, uh, very important uh, propositions that we're making. I'm under actually point number four in your outline. I'm going to walk all the way through until we turn the page because I want to get to the freedom to do good or evil. Just some propositions. I want you to think about them. Point number four, the infallibility of prophecy is secure by the absence of human freedom. The infallibility of prophecy is secure by the absence of human freedom. I argue that what we just read in Isaiah chapter 10 verses 1 through 17 came to pass a hundred years later. Exactly like God said it would. Because man is not free to do whatever he wants to do. Y'all got what I just stated? It happened. It happened. Just like God said it. So when your Bible gives you prophecy, it's teaching you and I that man doesn't do whatever he wants to do arbitrarily. It is all controlled and confined within a larger providential narrative. And we have to keep that in mind. So under uh, point number four, if your outline has mine, so point A, God decreed the events of Christ's betrayal. Did he not? Did God tell us that Jesus would be betrayed? Did Jesus say over and over and over again, the son of man goeth as it is written. They shall beat him. They shall mock him. They shall spit on him. And then they shall crucify him. And on the third day, he shall rise again. Do you guys remember how many times Jesus said it over and over and over again? If man truly had a free will, Jesus could never be certain about that. Are you guys with me? Okay, let's continue on with the uh, second sub point. Sinners did what they could not nor would not otherwise do. Do you guys see that? All right, so now this is really interesting. So when they took Jesus and they beat him, mocked him, stripped him down three times, tore his beard off, pressed a crown of thorns in his head, caused him to bleed, shredded him with a cat of nine tails. He was a bloody mess. All of that was prophesied in scripture. And because we believe that, is, that God is sovereign and that man's will is limited, When the scripture prophesies a thousand years before it happens, it means it's not possible for man not to do exactly what God had determined them to do, even though they do what they do freely. Like it was impossible for Judas Iscariot not to betray Jesus. Jesus said to Judas, you shall go as it is written. But woe unto them who actually are betraying me, talking about the rulers of Israel. Psalm 69, Psalm 102 is a psalm a thousand years before Judas shows up, explicitly detailing Judas's betrayal of Christ. Now, if Judas had free will, you and I could never be certain that Judas would have acted precisely as the prophetic scriptures laid out, because he would have been free to change his mind, wouldn't he? All right, this is why I'm trying to help you understand the delusion of freedom of the will. Now, Judas did what he wanted to do. That's why Jesus says, go do what you want to do and do it quickly. But Judas couldn't have done anything else. Am I making sense? All right. So now under point number five, oh, uh, one of the axioms that underscore this is Genesis fifty 20. You've heard it before, but I want you to see it. You've heard it before, but I want you to see it now. Remember when Joseph told his brothers, he's going to be king. Y'all going to bow down. He probably should have framed it in a different way. I mean, he' a baby. So they wasn't going to put up with him just talking like he's a big dog. You got to be crazy, boy. So then he had a rough ride from that, from the day of that vision, he had a rough ride. Did he have a rough ride? By the time he gets to the throne, guess what Joseph knows out of all that stuff he went through? God is sovereign and man does what he does in accordance with the sovereignty of God. And so Genesis 50, 20 gives you an axiom of God sovereign, man responsible. Here it is. But as for you, you thought evil against me. Was it evil what they thought? Was it evil what they did? Now, notice what it says. God meant it unto good. Do you see that? So they had a set of thoughts that were wrong. God had a set of thoughts that were right. And God allowed his thoughts to govern their thoughts and lead to an outcome that could have never otherwise been but the way God wanted it to be. This is why we argue that man's free will never ever does anything that he wants to, but always ultimately what God wants to bring to pass. So that's an axiom. It's important for you to to remember that because this is how uh, actually what Joseph did Ladies, for those of you who are in our WTC, is this not called integrated thinking? Did not this give Joseph the capacity to love them even in the evil in which they did? Because Joseph was actually able to see God working out Joseph's exaltation and the preservation of the whole family, even through their wickedness. So integrated thinking, that's what the gospel is in totality It's integrated thinking. It allows you and I to be able to see how human beings can be wicked in their own volition and God can still use it for good. I mean, what a powerful remedy when somebody does you wrong. Did that come home? So I just want that to sit there um, because the gospel... Is a total integrating system. The gospel is able to reconcile evil and marshal it to God's glory and our good, no matter how painful it might be to us in the process. So, like, even when I'm talking to us about the sovereignty of God over against human volition, human freedom in its limited capacity. I'm still talking integration. I'm saying that God has chosen to allow man to live in rebellion against him. And God uses it to further his redemptive plan. Does that make some sense? Right. So would you agree with this? Because I'm peppering your thoughts. When God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1 and 2. And then in Genesis 2, he says, we're going to create man. And when he finished creating man, he said that man was very good. Remember that? Did God know as soon as he was done in chapter two, that in chapter three, mankind was just going to act a straight, absolute fool? Did God, did, did he know? So did Adam and Eve have a choice not to do it? Based upon what you're learning now, you know that God knew that they would do it because they had the inclination to do it and it would work out to God's redemptive purpose. Now y'all know that, don't you? Now, God didn't force them, did he? But they were influenced by an external power, were they not? It was not an absolute free volitional choice. They were provoked. They were challenged, they were incited, they were tempted, they were compelled, and they bought the lie, didn't they? And it drove them to make a choice that God saw before he had even created the heavens and the earth. And he knew it would be the vehicle by which he would bring his son into the world and redeem rebels like you and me through the very act of their volitional choice. Y'all see that now, right? Right. God wasn't stupid. God. And by the way, I just want you to know God didn't tell them you have the choice to eat or not eat the tree. That's for those of you who still love to hold on the choice. It wasn't a choice. It was a command not to do. Are y'all keeping up with me? Right. See, so for all of your friends, see, so what I really want to talk about a little bit is why would mankind Put so much stock in his free will. I want you to answer that because, you know, that's a big deal, right? You do know that, right? This here is such an underlying assumption for humanity in every discipline in the world. Do you know that? Do you know, like, it's a foregone conclusion in every field, science, psychology, sociology, the medical industry. Man has a free will. Did y'all know that? Like, like, don't nobody even talk as to whether or not that's even true. It's, it's kind of like evolution. Today, everybody believes that you and I are the product of an evolutionary develop- development from a protozoa. You guys do know that, right? Like, well, we just all know that's gospel truth. Now, I don't, but a lot of us do. And so we don't even argue that evolution is an absolutely unassailable system of truth claims that shows us the origin of the species and brings us to where we are. And we're getting better and we're getting better and we're getting better. In a moment, we'll be able to transcend our humanness. (laughs) Are we delusional or what? We've gone from a protozoa, an enzyme, to transhuman. Transhuman. We're rising above our humanness. I'm making a caricature. Because now after 13,000 years of human history, from a theological standpoint, here we are on the precipice with technology to make it appear like they can bring that to pass. All because God has allowed it to happen for you and I to determine whether or not we know how to actually frame a biblical worldview to see the evil in these systems that are predicated upon systems of lies and falsehood. Am I making some sense, children of God? Right. So like your average Christian does not think like I'm telling you. Your average Christian has a hodgepodge of secular ideas and biblical ideas. Y'all do know that, right? They buy into freedom of the will. They buy into evolution because they don't know how to argue against it. And the fundamental problem is that they don't have a sufficient working knowledge of the Bible. So are you guys benefiting from this teaching? Right. So, I mean, you know, again, I'm not here to make you believe what I believe. I'm here to challenge you around maybe some assumptions you have so that if you go out and talk to people about human volition or freedom of the will, et cetera, et cetera. You, 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 you'll you have some knowledge around it because you actually have to.
1: We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ, our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886- 9782. That's 510 You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write. Two two seven six eight Main Street. That's two two seven six eight Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is nine four five four one. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you, hearing God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I can't wait